show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. What has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? You're your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Um, greetings and good morning. Welcome in. Ah, <laughs> it's been so long since we started the show, we don't know how to do it. No. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I had to go read the directions. Uh, that's why I'm late. Nah, I was doing some, some uh, you know, some work for some other things. I uh, thought I was going to have a good morning this morning, and then like phone call after phone call after phone call. One of those was from JB. All right, he's playing in a golf tournament, right? And one of the foursomes ahead of him has Darius Rucker, Rick Carlisle, and Dan Marino. Oh, jeez. <laughs> nice. he's like, I think he's a little nervous, you know, going to play in this thing. Shane Beamer's in the tournament. I mean, they, uh, they're doing it up right. I, I had to get off the phone with him because I had other – phone calls to make before uh, mm-hmm. before he did that. But uh, anyway, uh, we're going to get right to it as SEC Media Days flows along. Uh, I told you guys yesterday, too, I'd get into some of these height and weight things, answer some questions from the chat box. You know how we do it, kind of loosey-goosey. Phil, we have another guest at 1230. Is that correct, Brad Crawford? Brad Crawford. Yes, he was supposed, supposed mm-hmm. to join us yesterday, but had, he had a television gig. Oh, my goodness, a television gig. Uh, and so Bra- uh, Brad will be with us today uh, to update us from Nashville. Uh, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show will be here tomorrow to update us from Nashville. So it's just like we're there, just like we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Texas A&M is on the schedule this year. Uh, surprisingly enough, they're on the schedule the following year too. So uh, it's never a bad time to check in on the Aggies and want to bring in like the best ever to do it in that market. There's one other guy I may – say is a co-best, but this guy's the best. I've been reading his stuff my entire career. Uh, Jeff Tarpley from Gigum 247. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? Great, guys. How are y'all doing this morning? Super, super. I got to ask you right off the bat, because here's my theory. Everybody always talks about what are they going to say at media days, blah, blah, blah. Do you think Jimbo Fisher's sick of people asking about, are you and Bobby Petrito going to be able to coexist? Uh, <laughs> To me, man, I look at it and I'm like, wow, can we just keep asking that over and over again? Uh, your thoughts on that first and foremost? 
<laughs> I, I just don't think he wants to discuss it because yeah. he basically had to demote himself from something that he's done all his life. And at a, I believe it was December press conference. He talked about, and he's talked about this in the past too, what it meant for him to call plays, how he grew up calling plays, how he managed games calling plays. And you could tell that he thought it was important to him as a head coach to be able to do those things. But it was also important for him to be able to continue to do that on a very personal level. Keep in mind, Kirby Smart doesn't call the defenses at Georgia, and Nick Saban doesn't call the defenses at Alabama. But nonetheless, it was something that Fisher felt like he needed to do in order to take himself to where he needed to be in the profession and take his programs to where he wanted them to be. And so to look into that aspect of it and go, you know what, it's really best that I step away from it. Uh, not everybody can do that. I think he found it very, very difficult to do. But at the end of the day, I think with some, probably with some help from from other people inside the program, Fisher figured out that if he was going to get anything else or the things that he needed to get A&M over the hump, so to speak. Remember, this is a program that was on the ascension after the 2020 season, and now it's fallen back a bit, that he was going to have to step away whether he wanted to or not. And so I think he just he, – he, he, know, he knew going into the offseason that it was going to come up. He would prefer not to have to talk about it. Uh, he's having to talk about it, and I think it affected him – very much on a personal level, perhaps even more so than on a professional level. Because at the end of the day, I think he's got a lot of confidence in Bobby Petrino in terms of running an offense like Fisher wants an offense to be run. Both of their, their philosophies are, are relatively similar in that regard. Both of them start out with the West Coast as their base concepts, and then they've added on to those things. But I think at the end of the day, He's comfortable with Bobby Petrino being his offensive coordinator. He's comfortable with Bobby Petrino being his play caller. But again, having to sit there and essentially demote yourself and everybody in the room know that you demoted yourself, I think he's always – I think it's evident no matter how much time passes, he's just going to have a problem with that. I'm talking with Jeff Tarpley from Giggum 247. Yeah, and I'm with you there, you know – Everybody, everybody's kind of talking about Garrett Riley. You know, oh, they're going to go get Garrett Riley. Uh, oh, they're going to go get this guy. This name your spread guy. I actually thought, take away the fact Bobby Petrino's been a head coach and, and all this other stuff. I actually thought, I'm with you, Tarp. Philosophically, they're very, very similar. I mean, Bobby Petrino and, and Jimbo both have a reputation for being really good at play calling, but you know, you look at it, it's not a spread. It's not an air raid. It, it's still got some very basic pro elements. You know, Bobby Petrino was in the NFL. Jimbo's been a pro-style guy. Um, it, it's just that their play calling's made it work. So, you know, it, it, from that standpoint, you know, keep in mind that, you know, Petrino's – these are veteran guys. Um, I, I, don't you think that it fits A&M's personnel and it, it may even play up and, and be an advantage this year? I thought the most interesting thing I saw in the spring game was 
A&M has two quarterbacks in Connor Wigman and Max Johnson who are, are very different players. And a lot of times you'll see offensive coordinators attempt to run the same offense with both quarterbacks. And I think that was one of the issues that we've seen with Jimbo Fisher during his time mm-hmm. in Aggieland. He's had different quarterback types of quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, he's tried to run the same offense and the same plays through those guys. Now he'll occasionally change things up and play to their strengths, maybe in certain situations or maybe for a game. But as far as an overarching philosophy, hey, we're going, you know, Fisher wants to have, wanted to have as many plays as possible available in his playbook to him as a play caller. And I think that's very important, very important concept to understand. He wanted to be able, just like we all do when we play our Xboxes or our Playstations or, or whatever, that we're going to be able to reach into that playbook and pull out a play and for any particular situation. The problem is, is that fake life isn't like real life. You've got to be able to practice those things. And so in the spring game, A&M did different things with Connor Wegman than they did with Max Johnson. They put Max Johnson under center. They put Connor Wegman in the gun more. Max Johnson is a guy who's much more comfortable under center. He is, his dad played in the NFL. He, he, he grew up with his dad teaching him how to operate from under center. Connor Wegman, on the other hand, I don't, he probably never took a snap under center until he got to college station. So you, you, you saw Petrino use those guys differently. And it wasn't like A&M ran two different offenses in the spring game, but they certainly played into their quarterback strengths, which are different in the spring game. And I think at least if you're following A&M, that was something that definitely caught your attention if you're going back and forth on the whole Fisher-Petrino dynamic, it would certainly give you hope that things are going to be different in the fall than they have been in the past few years with Fisher running everything. Yes, uh, Bobby Petrino, everybody from um, Lamar Jackson to uh, – I think he had a guy named LaFrancois at Louisville to Ryan Mallett. I mean, he, he's very – very adaptable. So, so I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, A&M's got uh, good receivers coming back, a lot of talent across the board. You know, Evan Stewart, I, I think, in an offense like this, could, could really thrive. You know, what's your take sort of on their uh, their skill talent and, um, you know, what they got uh, coming, what they're going to bring to the table uh, this year personnel-wise? Well, you got to remember, A&M still has – as of last year, it was four top 10 recruiting classes on campus. Now it's three top 10 recruiting classes on campus, but they've still got the talent from three top 10 recruiting classes on campus, including the best in show class of 2022. They're still in the top 10 as far as uh, the Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio goes. So from that standpoint, they still got a lot of talent. What they, what they've had had happened to them is They've lost over 100 player games to injuries the last two years. That didn't just affect them in terms of, hey, we've got to ask backups to play or we've got to ask true freshmen to play. It also affected their continuity. I I think I figured it out. They've had 11 different offensive line combinations starting over the last couple of years. It's very difficult to make an offense go if you don't know who to block. 
And you could see that A&M had issues with that at times uh, over the course of the last two years. Uh, they would have to make multiple changes within games, and it, it just made the whole thing dysfunctional. I, I think everything starts with if they can stay healthier, then you get people to settle into roles and for which they were originally schemed into them and that they spent a lot of time repping. Uh, and, and so if, if that happens, then everything else maybe doesn't fall into place as much as you just get them doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, their skill talent, Evan Stewart, they, Petrino, for example, just to give you an example of, of scheming, he worked really hard to get Evan Stewart the ball in the spring game, line him up at the X. Uh, he would, if A&M's on the far side, he would put him on, or excuse me, to the right boundary, he would put him on the left side of the formation and throw little out routes to him. Doesn't sound like much, but Evan Stewart's the type of guy that can make a guy miss and turn a five-yard gain into a 50-yard gain. So they they kept doing things like that. Stewart's a very dynamic player. He's one of those guys adjusts to the ball whenever it's in the air. Uh, Moose Muhammad, the uh, the slot who, when Anaya Smith was injured last year, came into his own as a starter. You know, most slots only get like 10 to 12 yards of catch. They move the chains. Uh, Moose is a guy who would catch the ball. And again, he really gravitates to space. You know, before the catch, after the catch, he's one of those guys that doesn't necessarily run a, a, a blistering 40, but you throw him the football and he's going to be headed into an area where people aren't. Uh, he just, he's just that type of player. They've got a tight end named Donovan Green, who was a freshman who kind of operates on that same philosophy. Uh, and, and he's much bigger in the spring than he was last fall, which would serve, which should serve him much better as a run blocker. Running backs, uh, they, you know, they relied a lot on Devon A-Chain last year. He's gone to the league. They've got some guys that are interesting. They were relatively highly recruited, including the five-star freshman Ruben Owens. We'll just have to see how those guys come along in the fall. They could end up uh, using one or two of them. They can end up using three of them as well as a transfer from Colorado State named David Bailey, who could be a, a short yardage specialist. You know, the quarterback battle, there's more of a battle there than I think we all anticipated watching this uh, team going into the spring because Wigman just really has a lot of arm talent. I mean, he made some throws in the spring game. It's like, wow, you know, he, he fit the ball into windows along the boundary. He didn't always, it didn't always result in a completion, but the fact that he could get the ball somewhere near the receiver was evidence of just how good he can be in that role. And, and, and Johnson, of course, hey, he started close to a season and a half of games in, in, of SEC games in his career. He's very experienced. Uh, so they've got a lot of talent there. Uh, every metric says they have a lot of talent. The problem is, is that, hey, it's young. Uh, they didn't get a lot of postseason recognition because they went five and seven last year. And again, if you're playing, you know, Stewart generated a lot of preseason hype last year because he was a five-star. And he was on a preseason top 10 team. This year, mm-hmm. all that's been a lot quieter because nobody's thinking, a- nobody is thinking that AM is, is a top 10 team right now. 
And a lot of the guys on that side of the ball, uh, they're just young guys and they haven't had a chance to prove themselves, but the talent is there and they just, and, and they'll have a chance to do so this fall on the field. And they should have grown up some last year. And some of the guys that they were facing that were bigger, stronger, faster than they were last year, more experienced, they've departed college football. That should give those guys a leg up as well to show what they can really do. You know, it's interesting. You look at you look at A and M last year, and then there's disappointment and shoot tarp. I remember I tuned into the UMass game for a little while, and that's as empty as I've seen that place um, ever. I think, but uh, I certainly understood it, it wasn't the most exciting game. But then I tuned in Thanksgiving night, and lo and behold, A and M took it to uh, to LSU pretty good. Um. I, I thought, you know, A&M, yes, they lost a bunch of games uh, more than was expected, certainly. But they were – it's not like they quit. They were in every game. Uh, and they were relatively young. You know, it, that recruiting class played a lot of snaps. Uh, your, your take on that and, you know, and, and maybe the fact that the underachieving talk and all that, you know, wasn't, <clears throat> wasn't all that valid – uh, and they've made changes that maybe this 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 group was just sort of a a year away, and like you said, with injuries. And I mean, shoot, they 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 lost a lot of close games last year. I mean, if you really break it down, A and M. You know, I, one of the things I try to do, and people get lost in this, is the fact that I when I discuss twenty twenty two, I'm kind of hard on them because they made a lot of decisions with, despite all the injuries last year. They made a lot of decisions that just did not work out. Uh, I can run at least three of them off the top of my head where they just plugged in guys day one in the starting lineup and was like, no, 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 no. That was, that was not the right move. Not just in retrospect, but you kind of had doubts about it. Uh, mm-hmm. going into the season, why, why player X was playing as opposed to player Y. Uh, the biggest, issue with that with was Haynes King uh had a lot of doubts about him going into the season he was the best of the quarterbacks coming out of fall camp but you got a lot of false positives with him in terms of this was a guy who was putting the ball into risky situations but didn't have the arm strength necessarily to do that Connor Wegman it's interesting I haven't brought this up on the boards pro football focus graded out Connor Wegman in terms of turnover-worthy plays, his percentage of turnover-worthy plays wasn't any different than Haynes King's. It's just that Connor Wegman has a really, really good arm and can and, and can put the ball where it needs to go and he can get it there with enough velocity that it may look like a turnover-worthy play, but the chances of that happening are not very high. On the other hand, with Haynes King – they, you know, if, if there was a chance for something to go wrong, it just went wrong because he just would put the ball in the risky situations and didn't have the arm talent to get himself out of that situation. So you, you look at all that. They made, they didn't make very good decisions. Uh, they had the injuries over a hundred player games lost to injury, not just in 2021, but also 2022. Uh, and as far as being a year away, in retrospect, they probably were your way, and we probably did overestimate 
what was going on. But again, you look at A&M, you look at the publicity surrounding A&M going to 2023. Nobody's talking about A&M. They're not ranking any top 25s. I wrote something up yesterday in which I said, Jimbo Fisher is on more hot seat lists than A&M is on top 25 lists. And I think that's kind of silly. I think this is, remains a, a talented program. They've got the players to be able to play a top 25 caliber brand of ball. Uh, they just didn't do a lot of things well last year. We've also seen in college football how teams take dips now, uh, especially because of the portal. You know, you can transform your team in a single season with all the personnel movement and you can emerge and you get a couple of three breaks. You play, you, you, as you put it, you win the close games that you lost the year before because especially in SEC play, everybody tends to play those one score games. What happens is, is that the teams that come out of the second half, go in the third quarter, get the lead, take a two score lead into the fourth quarter, gives them a margin of error, and they hold on and win. That happened to A&M multiple times last year. Third quarters were not very kind to A&M. In contrast, when A&M beat Arkansas, there are only two SEC wins. Arkansas, they won the third quarter. LSU, they won the third quarter. When they didn't win those third quarters coming out of halftime, uh, they ended up making those games closer than what what they looked. Uh, you're losing by, if you're losing by double digits in SEC play in the fourth quarter, uh, you're not playing very well. I'll I'll be honest with you on that. That's my philosophy on that. You you need to be able to, but on the other hand, if you take a lead into the fourth quarter, you're playing from a position of strength. You've got people chasing you instead of you being the pursuer. And that's a lot, it's a lot easier to sit there and defend 80 yards of the field with two minutes to go in the game, as opposed to travel 80 yards with two minutes to go in the game with it on the line. A&M was in the position of the pursue all too often last year. This year, they need to be the guy that says, hey, come get me, bro. I agree with you there. I think they'll be much improved. Uh, wrapping up with Jeff Tarpley, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the league. We haven't talked to you since that happened. Uh, I know you're from Texas. You're very familiar with those two programs. You know, my my guess is they're going to struggle, especially Texas. Um, I just think they've got uh, some waking up and growing up to do as a program. Um, your thoughts, though, on how those two will fare? Because I'll be honest, I I, I kind of thought A and M would have to build for a while, and and they didn't. I thought Missouri would have to build, uh, and they had one kind of transitional year, then won two divisions back to back. So. Uh, am I underestimating the Big 12, or, 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 or what do you think? What do you think about those two? The first year that A&M was in the SEC, I, I went out to dinner with some friends of mine who uh, they had gone to places like Tech and Baylor, and we were talking. And, of course, Johnny Manziel was running wild, and, and, and those guys were asking me questions about him. And I just said, you know, I said, I, I'm – for all of that, I mean, that A&M team had, I don't know, five first-round draft picks on offense. For all of that, I told those guys, I said, you know what? I said, when you go to Starkville to play Mississippi State, they arguably have the least amount of resources in the SEC West. Uh, you know, it's one of the smallest stadiums. 
they they recruit three star players from places you know all these small towns in, in Mississippi. There's just not a lot, you know. You're you're on the surface, it's like well, walk in and it's no big deal. So the problem is, is that when Mississippi State starting a 320 pound guard leaves the field for an injury, they plug in another 320 pound guy. Yeah, they're big. They're all big. Yeah. And and I said, that's, uh, I said, I told him, I said, you don't get this. I said, but every week it's like that. You go someplace. I said, you're playing somebody and they take out a 320 pound guy and plug in another 320 pound guy. They take out a 4'4 guy and plug in another 4'4 guy. And the Big 12 just doesn't have that kind of depth. And that was to me just that first season going into the SEC was just kind of like, oh my God. This is, you know, every week's just just brutal. And I really remember that was that's still my impression out of that first year of the SEC. It's not, hey, what what Johnny Manziel's doing? It's just like you're shell shocked. And and AM was very very successful, but nonetheless, you're sitting there going, this is a different brand of football. And keep in mind too that once Manziel left. A&M was A&M struggled in 2014, 2015 until they kind of built up both their lines and then they were more successful for a while in 2016. Uh, but I think that's what it's going to be like for Texas and Oklahoma for all the tension that's paid to the quarterback position at Texas. And they have recruited really, really well there. Uh, those guys lost a lot on the lines, especially defense, defensive front last year. And I think that, they're going to sit there and it's going to be a transition and they're going, Oh, wait a minute. We've got to recruit We've got to have a different kind of guy than what we've had in the big 12. And not only that, we've got to have more of them. And maybe we can't just go to, we can't just stay in Texas and recruit and, or maybe go to the West coast and recruit. We've got to recruit, you know, throughout the Southeast and, and, and throughout the areas that are going to, enable us to bring in more of those types of guys than anywhere else. I think that's the one advantage that Jimbo that that's one advantage that AM gained with Jimbo Fisher. Fisher's been able via his ties with the high schools and and the coaches across the region is that AM's been able to recruit parts of the Southeast, bring in guys like McKinley Jackson, uh, who's is projected to have a breakout year for A&M this year. You know, they just don't have a lot of 320-pound guys in the state of Texas. And A&M has – they have 320 – you know, 330-pound McKinley Jackson backed up by a 330-pound Isaiah Rakes with 320-pound Albert Regis waiting in the wings. You know, when you start – yeah. And two of those guys are from out of state. So when you, you have to be able to recognize that those guys aren't necessarily in Texas and you have to stack those guys and you're going to have to go outside the state to do that. And I think Fisher has brought that to A&M. Uh, and I think even though you didn't necessarily see the effects of that last year because of the injuries in 2022, they had to play guys who may have been big, but they weren't ready to play yet. I think that will be a different story now in 2023 and beyond when those recruiting, when the 2022 class starts to mature and, and guys from the 2020 and 2021 classes are upperclassmen. 
That's true, man. I, I, you know, I, I think another thing too. I think, and this is nothing against A and M or Missouri. I, th- I think with A and M, Arkansas is probably looking forward to playing them um, LSU because that was a historic rivalry. Alabama because of the ties. Uh, everybody else is just kind of like, well, here comes the team from the Big Twelve, but nobody's fired up to play Missouri. I'm not saying A and M snuck up on anybody. I'm just saying the rest of the, especially the middle part of the SEC, it's still a big deal to play Texas and Oklahoma. So I, I think in many ways, those two programs are going to get the absolute best shot of everybody. It's going to be a huge deal when they come in. But Tarp, man, we took you, we kept you too long. Uh, enjoyed talking to you as always. You're very knowledgeable. I know I always learn something whenever I talk to you and, uh, certainly, uh, a lot of respect for the work you do and for the Aggies and, uh, I guess the Gamecocks and Aggies going to play again in 2024. I kind of thought this would be the last year, but uh, I guess they're going to hold on to the Bonham Trophy game for at least one more season. So we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time as always. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Thank Jeff. Jeff Tarpley. All right. Well, that's uh, very informative there. Um, love that. And that'll be uh, – we have a, a segment on our YouTube channel called Behind Enemy Lines. Uh, that interview in its entirety will be up on YouTube. Uh, so you can go through in the preseason and kind of listen to all the, all the opponents and stuff. And, and look, I think A&M's going to have a pretty good year. I, you know, I think that uh, I think uh, they're going to be an intriguing team to watch. I think they're going to take Miami to the woodshed second yeah. week of the season. Because yeah. the, the problems at A&M and Miami are a little, or way different last season, but all right, Phil, let's double up on a break right now. The chat box is blowing up with lots of angst and consternation, so we're going to have to crawl in there and, and talk. That's right. Uh, a little bit. Talk to people off the ledge. That's fine. That's our, our job. therapy hats on. That's right. Yeah, we got to get in there. therapy hats on. This is Inside the Gamecocks Show, and we'll be back after these messages. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our board, Matt Odom, has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. <laughs> Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com if you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. segment today <laughs> woke up a little sleepy when I got up this morning so I didn't really want to jump into that right before the show just to keep probably, things uh, upbeat <laughs> I'll have to watch it you're better off calling a couple of painters yeah right going yeah. And watching, watching their paint dry. that's right, right. that's right I think he's a great fit there I'm, I, hope they, I hope they win more than a couple of SEC games just you know not ours <laughs> Unfortunately, too, Phil, the day will come where they'll beat South Carolina again. It will. It's It'll happen. It'll happen. It's coming. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, now it's been since 
Well, they're going to with 15 straight wins over Vandy. I mean, it'll come. Everybody loses to Vandy at some point. You got to take your medicine. Georgia lost in Kirby's first year. Yep. We remember Tennessee. My God, how many times did Derek Mason beat them? Oh, my goodness. Jeez. <laughs> Well, that's I mean, all he had to hang his hat on, yeah, you know? <laughs> you got to respect him, but, you know, Carolina's actually done really well against Vanderbilt but, uh, yeah. since they've been in the SEC. But uh, thanks to Jeff Tarpley. That was an interesting thing. So the chat box is going kind of cattywampus here. It's going crazy this morning. Quantrell says the game guys are getting smacked around in recruiting. Guys, the Ma- Malcolm Ziegler's been committed to UNC for two or three weeks. At no point did anyone on the coaching staff think South Carolina was in the game. Now, what happened was Mm. Malcolm himself decided to tell some of the commits that he may be coming. People got a little excited, and that info got around. uh, And he didn't tell South Carolina he wasn't coming, which is not rare. A A lot of kids don't make that phone call anymore. Um. And so, look, it's uh, hey, I mean, I, I I don't know what to say about that one. That should not have come as a huge surprise to anyone, but it's okay. I get it. We live in a different world. Twitter, all that good stuff. So, uh, I totally get it. And sometimes, what's on social media isn't reality. In fact, most of the time, that's the case. But that's okay. Uh, and, and look, Ziggler. His decision was not an NIL decision. It was staying close to home. His mom wanted him at UNC's family. Uh, you can't blame a kid for making that decision because if, if it was a kid from Chester and he went to North Carolina, you ought to be, like, flabbergasted, right? <gasps> oh, my God. Rumor Gerd. Rumor Gerd. Uh, but anyway, so that that's the deal there. Uh, with that, so I don't, I don't really consider that against Matt Ross. Here's who you got to worry about right now: Dylan Stewart, Daniel Hill, Jonathan Paler, and Jalewis Solomon. Those are four very good players. South Carolina, I mean, is, is sitting right there for. I think all four of them. They're all four battles. Obviously, you're battling NC State for Paler. You're battling Alabama for Hill. You're battling Ohio State for Stewart. And you're battling Florida State for Solomon. That that is not a lightweight list. You can say what you want about NC State; they're pretty good at recruiting in state. They do have a good NIL program. Uh, NC State's one of the schools that really sells NIL in North Carolina, for example. So, you know, it's called big boy recruiting. You're going to have ebbs and flows. It's going to be times where you think you're not getting anybody. You're going to kind of start doubting everything. <laughs> You're going to be sad, but, and, and that's fine. I, I'd rather people care and have emotion about it than not care because that's kind of what we do. We cover recruiting. If you didn't care, I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't no. be sitting there talking to you. So that's right. care, but, but you have to kind of you know, understand reality and understand like that, that not everything is this awful sign and, and should cause dread. Right, you're not on I am legend. The sun going down is not going to have you uh, get attacked by apocalyptic zombies that will turn you into the undead. Don't let don't let that sunset get you freaking out. Sunsets are beautiful, brother. Don't let it get get you freaked out. So, um, 
you know, cocky Joe, Stuart Paler, Andrew Solomon, and King Edward. Was it King Edward Joseph? King Joseph Edwards. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't think he's a take right now. I, I, I need to get Hale to clarify or, or somebody I know to clarify because I kind of got that info from Hale and his ranking dropped like a rock. And I don't know how many committal offers he has. I, I don't know that he's a take. So, you know, if he ends up someplace that's not at the left, because he, you know, he always keeps the blue bloods, blue bloods in Carolina at this top, whatever. If he ends up at a non blue blood, then that's kind of a situation a lot like Troy Stevenson, right? <laughs> Troy Stevenson, everybody's like Tennessee or Miami, McGurge. He ended up at Georgia Tech, which is exactly where he should end up at. King Joseph Edwards may end up at Georgia Tech, which is exactly where a lot of folks feel like he should end up. Now, I think South Carolina needs to put on its, 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 its developmental hat and look at this guy closer and go, okay, okay, is this someone we can develop? Okay. It, 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 all right, so this guy's not very good right now. It's, it's unknown. He's unknown. He's got a long way to go. But what will he be in two years? Because on the defensive line, you have to do that at all schools. All schools develop D line. You're not going to get very, you know, you're not going to get a Dylan Stewart <laughs> every single year. Okay. And Carolina needs edge. So, so if I'm them, I'm circling back and I'm looking at it because it does seem like he's interested and wants to come. Now, maybe they don't feel he can. Maybe he's a guy that just loves recruiting, which he seems he does. You know, maybe he's not a fit, whatever. I need clarification on that. But I would not pencil him in on any kind of list right now until we get clarification on him. Um, So let's say South Carolina goes four for four, three for four, whatever. 16, 17 commits. This staff, uh, and it's, you know, keep in mind, this staff arrived with the portal. So when the portal arrived, so we don't know. I, I I need to check in to see like other staffs that do work the portal. What they do is the recruiting board a little more traditional? Do they have backup plans from the high school ranks, or do they just say we're, here are our top guys? Here's what we're focusing on, and if we don't get them, we're going to the portal, which is not a bad strategy. The portal has served South Carolina well, and obviously it's not just been from guys getting the portal from uh, you know Alabama or Georgia or wherever it's guys that get in the portal from, you know, Podunk U that, that have ended up playing pretty well for the Gamecocks. Uh, so, you know, and I don't think that's a bad strategy, especially when you look at the 2022 class and 2023 class, which are rather large with high school players, you know, plenty of high school talent, plenty of guys in those two classes. You had 17 or so in this class and you jump in the portal because there are legit needs. Now, NIL is in the chat box a lot. NIL is going to matter much more with portal players than it will with high school players, and it always does. Now, it's starting to matter more. High school is kind of a little bit behind portal in in basketball and, you know, basketball and football. Uh, And so I'll just say this, maybe not, maybe not for long, you know, Maybe, maybe the NIL situation does have to be there for you to recruit. Maybe all of the doomsdayers were right when this stuff happened. Um, but I, 
you know, I, I don't see that happening universally with every player across the board. Uh, no, I mean, and you got to think too is cases. like, yeah, yeah, and I mean, there th- this staff is not going to stop recruiting these guys even when they you know verbally commit to somewhere else. I mean, until pens to paper, it's still wide open. So you got to yeah, think some sure. of these that were you know kind of torn between us and somebody else. I mean, the staff is still going to you know push for them. Yeah, to- <laughs> they're going to flip. Yeah, to flip them. Yeah, exactly. More rare than it used to be because a lot of times the check cashes, right? Right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because now there's a transaction associated with it. Yeah, but, you know, so so that's the deal there. So I I don't, uh, you know, I I, I don't see the the need to kind of panic. Uh, It just kind of is what it is. This is a very good class. And, you know, it's a class that can probably contribute quite a bit to South Carolina elevating itself, you know, at the various positions and stuff. But that's that's kind of a new thing because under previous staffs, what you'd have is you'd have, you know, two or three guys. You miss on choices A and B, then you go to C and D, and you usually can get them or maybe even down to E or F. And that's how you recruited. But with the portal, you know, I think one philosophy is why do that when you could probably go get just as good or better of a player? Why take the risk? on a high school guy, when you can get an older guy or a guy with four years of eligibility left that's just not happy in his current situation and get some guy with some experience. So I, I think that's a fascinating thing. Do I think they'll expand the board a little bit? Probably maybe offer some guys you haven't. Yeah, sure. Senior risers, that happens. Elijah Caldwell was a senior riser in this class. He's doing pretty well. They tend to pan out. Debo Samuel, senior riser. Sky Moore, senior riser. Rashad Fenton, senior riser. Uh, lots of guys, senior risers. Uh, they take them. So, you know, anyway, so that's all that there. But you think there's uh, a more inside out approach to guys like that, like late, you know, kind of rising guys who like you try to pull in some local talent and, you know, give them a shot yeah. that you feel are a lot more think, developmental than, you know, proven commodities? I think it starts in state. You know, I, I do. And, and what you hope is, and look, you get nervous when you see a Troy Stevenson or a Marcus Downs or a Braylon Staley that, that are kind of highly regarded by certain people that claim, and I'll use the term claim, uh, a bunch of offers and, and South Carolina has an offer because, you know, th- there's just – that's one thing at this program that I will be with recruiting critical about. I was critical of the last staff tremendously, especially at wide receiver. You know, you absolutely cannot let top players from your state leave. And it doesn't matter if they're ranked highly or not. You can't misevaluate them. There's not enough. You know, you're you're giving up you're giving up gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> so um anyway, uh Keelan Adams, uh Macadino, that that was part of his parents, but part of it was an NIL deal from tech. It was pretty big. Um Liam Andrews is NIL with Penn State. Uh, it's funny because James Franklin continues to com- complain about it. NC State's got some NIL stuff cooking with Paler, but, you know, so does South Carolina. I, I think their game pass is going to be fine there. Uh, he's on commit watch, whether that's now or August 5th or whatever. Gamecocks uh, had some kind of iffy moments with Daniel Hill. They're back to feeling good about it, and they've always felt good about Dylan Stewart. So – that's the deal there. So um, that's uh, that's the deal there. So it's uh, 
you know, Quantrill says NIL is a reason. It's a cop out and an answer to a lot of stuff on missing guys you should land. Well, Quantrill, Quantrill you know, the guy, they haven't lost a guy to a school they shouldn't lose a guy to if NIL isn't a factor. Now, another thought part of this is they happened to go and find a bunch of good D linemen and recruited their butts off for them for years. And then Georgia swept in. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, look, it wasn't, you know, like, like, uh, who was it? Jordan Green, Justin Green, Jordan Green. Uh, what was his name? Green, the Green, Justin Green. Justin, yeah. Man, yeah, Carolina had, you know, probably that dude was on early commit watch. Well, last, like, what, October, Georgia offers. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well, he's a Georgia kid, so it makes sense, right? Um, and, and so there, there you go with that. And, and you know, so so who knew that was going to happen? But you know, you can kind of you get through that. I mean, it's not you're not uh, you know you're not dead yet. <laughs> uh, you know, you got a kid from Gwinnett County that gets a Georgia offer. Uh, you're not dead yet. So um, there you go. Um, but then you get into some other guys. Uh, Jordan Thomas. Anybody really expect him to go all in on that Christian Pierce? And then the, the, the painful ones are Quintavious Johnson, who's kind of an upside guy, three-star guy. Uh, and then the worst one of them all was Nadame Oboko from, from North Carolina because Carolina had him ready to roll. Georgia swept in and got it. Um, and, and none of those, Quantrell, was the word NIL ever mentioned. Georgia has a really good NIL program, but it's Georgia. So yeah. I, 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 I understand, you know, because I, I need to stress it, and I'm going to continue to stress it because, you know, I know most of the people on the show have done a lot of good stuff with NIL and contributed, uh, but you need to tell your friends. <laughs> yeah. So just keep, tell, if you keep it in your mind. <laughs> Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's the deal there with all that. Now we'll continue this discussion after the top of the hour. We do have Brad Crawford coming up with a report from Nashville. At 1240 that's now. 1240. Oh, it's 1240. So, well, yeah, he's got an interview with Brock Bowers at 1220. So we had to, oh, sweet. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll have that going. But anyway, we'll be back after this inside the game pass show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS Everybody inside the Gamecocks, the show, second hour of the show starting now, but wanted to remind you the first hour of the show, as always, brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. All right, I'm seeing the chat box burnout, long, yeah. <laughs> recruiting momentum. What the hell is recruiting momentum? Is it when fans are feeling good because you get a welcome home? I get it. It happens in every fan base. Like like I said many times, and, and you can tell, you, you call up uh, on in Tuscaloosa on Thursday mornings, Wimp and Barry, Wimp Sanderson, Barry Sanderson, and you can tell these guys, it's like they've been through the war. They've been hearing it from those fans. JC, why is Alabama 20th in recruiting, and is there a reason to worry? <laughs> And it's then the April. next week you go on there. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, top 10. It, it ebbs and flows. And keep in mind the Gamecocks got off to an earlier start than they normally do. I mean, for this class, Michael Smith, Wendell Gregory, all those guys. Keep in mind those guys are solidly committed. So is the – I mean, the two – what would have been awful is if you lose both in-state tackles. You oh, guys don't remember the 90s around here, do you? <laughs> One, Josiah Thompson had probably been gone to Tennessee, and uh, I bet you uh, Pringle would have been at Florida State <laughs> back in the nineties. Okay, so, so so there you go with that. Mazio Bennett probably sticks with Tennessee. You know, and Frank's no is probably hell they get Clemson. Clemson. <laughs> no way in hell they get Frank's. I mean, Kelvin Hunter maybe. You know, that was your like Lee Wiggins or or Tua Freeman kind of recruit from back then. Um, so anyway, I don't, I mean, they're, they're, they've gotten everybody they wanted in state, which is the number one goal. Um, they ran into George and look, I, if there's anything you think about, you know, cause somebody asked me, they're like, well, why isn't part of recruiting knowing who you can get? I mean, why would they not think they could get Justin green that a two year head start on him? It didn't look like Georgia was that interested, you know, and then Oboko, and uh, and 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 the kid, the defensive end from Atlanta. I mean, those were kind of 
under the radar guys that popped up. Georgia just boom got them. Which there's two ways to look at it. Number one, it sucks that you lose them. Number two, though, it kind of shows you you're doing some doing something right in the evaluation process because you're targeting some players that the school that can get anybody in the country can just goes and gets. You know, so you know, and look, is that disappointing? Yeah, ideally in that situation, you want to get two of the five. Um, with Oboko being from North Carolina and being kind of, had they had more of a head, had he not been a guy that just kind of emerged, you know, had they had a head start on him, maybe proximity wins there. I don't know. They probably told him he's going to be the next Jordan Davis, though, and he jumped at it. Uh, and so that's the deal there. But um, Lisa says people need to find some joy and trust in Beamer. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody's not trusting in Beamer. I think people were kind of antsy. It's the summer. There's not much going on in previous years. There have been multiple commits in early July. This year, it's going to be in August. That's that's the money down. Okay, the money down doesn't always happen at the same time. People, the money money period, money down, whatever you want to call it, the money making time. That's coming. That is forthcoming. Okay. Yes, they lost some kids to Georgia. Yes, they lost to North Carolina, lean to North Carolina. Yeah, that happened. The, the, the surprising one was Adams because, you know, he was a welcome home. Yeah. There you go. There's the first high school welcome home that hasn't committed. Um, but we told you the situation there, and that kind of stuff is going to happen. Now, what you want what you want to do is you want to look at it and go, well, you know, you got Mazio Bennett. Uh, and you've got uh, Jonathan Paler, who you really won't need, who you've led on for since eternity for two years. You know, you want to get those guys, but you got five you signed in the last class that you love. That's seven. Maybe you just wait and get a portal kid. Maybe, who knows, maybe somebody joins the roster between now and, and the season. I don't know. Uh, I'm not fretting that. The only reason I fret it personally it's because, you know, you got Fred Johnson and you start getting two from Virginia Beach 757. That's good. That snowballs. But, look, his family didn't want him at Carolina. He wanted him at Virginia Tech. They made it worth his while. There you go. He's their number one recruit. Woo-ha, hokey, 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 hi. I don't dislike the Hokies. Not hearing me say much bad about that fan base. I actually feel very sorry for them right now. But, um, you know, it's uh, – you know, 76 says patience is a tired statement. Well, nothing happens overnight, and, you know, you can always go back, and if you're a Clemson fan, you could always have fired Dabo after 2010. How that worked out? <laughs> because they, yeah. that, some of them wanted to. You could have fired him after losing five in a row to Carolina. How'd that work out? I mean, come on. And it's not like progress hasn't been made. If Carolina was sitting there at like two and ten and three and nine, and then they had this sort of good recruiting class going this year, and then it fell apart, and, and that's not the case. This is not a sort of good recruiting class that has fallen apart. This is a class where they've dominated the state. They've gotten two four stars out of Georgia, who are elite players. You know, uh, I can't help it that some people don't. That in my opinion, some people are misguided about some of these player rankings for the Gamecocks. Uh, you got Fuller out of Georgia, who I think is going to be a stud. You know, I, I, I you know, you, it's a small class numbers wise, but it's it's quality, it's quality stuff. So, um, 
you know, as far as that goes, I'm just like not uh, not buying it. As far as uh, Sean the Birch talk, yeah, I hadn't heard anything about that in a while. I doubt it's going to happen. Um, the transfer finishes his classes. He's doing it right now, so we'll just have to see. Uh, Cocky Joe says, look like Carolina Rise has been doing well lately. We've been recruiting for that for sure. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's uh, that's needed. It did grow. Um, needs to grow more. Uh, just to be honest, it's uh, I'm thrilled with what's happened in, in whatever four, three or four days, but it needs to grow more. But we've got a lot of things to do about that, other than talk about it on the show or the big spur. I mean, you guys are like one part of game kind nation. We got to do a better job of getting the word out, but I feel pretty confident about that. Um, 76, I'm so done with hearing NIL, even if it is true, it's all just crazy. Out of pocket more and more and out of control. Smacking fans in the face while millions are poured into the university. Well, you know, you can't control the law or the rules. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a fan, look, I, I, I don't think that, what is it? How many, how many 70 cents a day? I, I don't think seven, I don't think, Trying to get you know sixteen percent of the Gamecock Club to give you an average of a dollar twenty-five a day is smacking fans in the face with more and more and more. Now people can whine and complain and suck their thumb and go sit in the corner because they hate Ray Tanner and you hate the man and you're gonna go fight the man and you know the man is the man and screw the administration, we're going streaking through the gymnasium because we're rebellious and, you know, everything's the administration's fault, the university's fault. And I'm not saying they've done a super duper job. I think that's some things beyond their control. Then they can promote it more. If you're going to rely on collectives, let's have the collectives out there. It's important. Stress it. However, you know, sitting there and getting mad at the TV money or mad at the ticket money or whatever that you have to pay, you know, because you got an extra whatever, 18 bucks a month. And and it's only being asked of sixteen percent of those people that are giving that money and spending that money. I.e., if you could afford it, great. If not, super duper. Uh, to me, it's just kind of sour grapes, and, and and it's kind of like, you know, actively working against it. I, I don't care if people give to Carolina Rise or not. You're all my friends. I still love you. I still love you, no matter what. I love you. Uh, it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to treat you with respect and, and, and all that. But what I don't understand is the disrespectful disdain that comes out of some of y'all's mouth about it. Like you're working against it. I'm sorry. Look, I would be so happy if, if it went away. I'd be so happy. Uh, you know, I'd be like, great. We're going back to the old, old days. But it's not. And Congress isn't going to solve it. And the NCAA is not going to solve it. And the flip side of fans being asked to help crowdsource it and stuff, and again, very small percentage of very small dollars, right? Um, the, the flip side of that is for the first time ever, like, okay, so you're at University X, right? And you give money to build buildings or to build facilities or, or to fund scholarships or to, you know, build a tailgating area, Phil inevitably you're going to have some clown that comes in there and messes it up. 
because he's right. the one calling the shots, the AD or the coach or whoever. Coach is the one in there going, you know, now you're giving him a Taj Mahal to practice in, and he's sitting there watching film. He can't evaluate his way out of a paper bag. He's alienating his players. He's hiring his buddies to his staff, and they're not worth a flip. You end up getting your brains beat in, and where's all your money go? Right? Inevitably, that's what happens. Um, and, and, and then he can't go get, you know, even if he wanted to go get good players, he couldn't. With NIL, you get to directly impact the roster. Yeah, it's like as a fan. Xbox or fantasy football. You get, you know, you go get, you can go help get your team together. You know, in a real way get, and not that damn, you know, yeah. social media bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, get, you, get, you get to get, get, that, get that going, right? <laughs> and you're not going to get every player and all that, but, you know, me looking back in the day, I mean, you know, it's well worth that much money to say, okay, that you know, this is not – so you know, this is going to dictate the roster. This is going to help get the program over the hump. Uh, and, and I don't, yeah, now like barging into people who make a mod, a, a good to modest living, who make six figures, you know, six figures plus or whatever, and demanding $10,000 and stuff like that, uh, that happens at certain collectives in certain states. That's a bad deal because those are the people that have given more above and beyond. And then they're be, being asked to cut a five figure check, whatever, you know, that's tough, but trying to run numbers. And, and looking more at the total number of people giving and stuff like that, then who can I go ask for $25,000? Uh, I think it is, uh, you know, not something that fans should sit there and work against. And there are quite a few people on Big Spur and, and in here that try to actively work against it. And that's just, you're just prolonging your misery there. And you can quit being a fan. You can give up which is some, some what a, you know, you can give up. Uh, and like I said, you don't have to give. I don't want, I don't, I don't want anybody's money. I, I'm, you do with your money, what you want to do. Cause by God, I do. Everybody yeah. should have that right. It's, it's America. America. <laughs> right? America. Spend my money how I want to, but don't work against it. Okay. I, I'm tired of hearing about the administration. They're not coming to help. Okay. They can't. They can't. Okay. They had a good plan. Unfortunately, the NCAA decided otherwise. And you can say, why didn't they know that? I'm done with that. We can, we can look back on that when this thing gets built and gets done. We can look back on that and examine that, do a postmortem. I'll be glad to. I'll be glad to criticize whoever needs to be criticized. But there's no time to sit there and go, well, why, 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 why? You know? And. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's part of it. I mean, you know, with the, with the NIL argument is like, oh, the administration and this, that, and the other. Now, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm working with the administration. I'm trying to get them to kind of lead them to water on some of these things. But unfortunately, it's not up to them. They're not taking money out of Gamecock Club dues. They're not taking any. I wish they'd take TV money. To me, they, in fact, the NCAA won't let them do that. It's almost communist. Because television programming is name, image, and likeness. Okay. If DeCarry and Joyner was on Friends, I know Friends has been canceled a long time ago. Uh, n- name a sitcom. Let's say DeCarry and Joyner was a 
was an extra in, in what's that? Tombs, uh, uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone, yeah. 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 <laughs> He'd get paid, you know, SAG, SAG stock money, you know, because the, the screen, screen editors killed, which, by the way, they're on strike right now, so he'd get nothing. But he would get paid for his television appearance, right? Mm-hmm. Why, would, why wouldn't the football players, who are the stars of the show, and they are the stars of the show, why wouldn't the stars of the show make anything in any kind of entertainment? So I'm with you. But guess what? That's a dream. That's not reality. They're not doing it. So, so what do you do? Do you just sit around and gripe about the commies all day? Or do you fight? Do you get up off the ground and say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to work against this. That's all I ask for people. Just don't work against it. Don't work against it. Because there's a very easy path to get there that does not take that much money for out of people's pockets. And it's, it does not really involve that many people. I mean, it should, should happen. Trust me. But, you know, I, I'm just sick of hearing about, oh, us fans are all taxed. You know? No, if you feel that way, don't contribute a dime. But, but, but you're, you're not a hero leading a revolution against this stuff when you're, when you're turning against the Gamecock people that are trying to help the Gamecocks. You're not a hero. You're a moron. You're, you're not leading some popular revolution. So, yeah, that, that's all I'm saying. Just uh, stop working against it. I mean, good God. Wah, wah, wah. Um, it is what it is. You're not going to put the toothpaste back in the tube, you know. And and the university's hands are tied to a certain extent at all levels. But, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I hate the NCAA makes them not be able <laughs> to have those fluidity with their dollars and, and you know from the TV because it makes sense. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody's just, who knows? They're like Mike said yesterday, they're good organizing things, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) They'll put you on a good tournament, but uh, mm, tough. Quantrell says, I know Carolina's done a linebacker, but saw FSU offered Tamir Hickman Collins from Fort Mills, Indian land. Kind of surprised by that one. Looking at the offer list. Yeah. They think they found a sleeper up there. All right, so I'll say this. If he ends up being good, then that's something to be critical of the staff about. I mean, just to be straight with you. Yeah, for missing uh, now, Val, yeah. Fred Johnson, Wendell Gregory, better prospects, yes. But you don't want to let good players get out of the state when you don't offer when they go someplace else and start. But that's a long time from now. Yeah. You know, so that's the deal there. Uh, Dylan Stewart, who's your Dylan Stewart, blah, blah, blah. You know, 76 says, listen, hard decisions need to be made too. Some of these smaller sports, honestly, very few care about, need to be shut down because they don't make money in the slightest. Decisions need to be made. Uh, you can't do that because it's Title IX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those have to exist to satisfy the federal regulation. Yeah. 76 says laws need to be implemented. This isn't the fans' fault. Nothing is the fans' fault. Nothing's the fans' fault. You know, but the fans are the ones that are emotionally invested, financially invested, invested in your time. Uh, they're the sta- they're stakeholders, and sometimes you got to look around and go, "I got to get out of this burning house. I got to I got to kind of save this. I got to clean up. I got to fix this house up myself." Mm. 
You know, I know the landlord promised he'd do all these renovations. And my buddy who's a contractor said, oh, yeah, I'll come by and help you do that sheetrock. And, you know, the, the kids say they'll take out the garbage. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden you look around, you got holes in your wall. Uh, nothing's been fixed. The whole, all the crap's broken. Uh, and, 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 and their garbage piled up. Well, the first thing you got to do is start taking out the garbage. Next thing you need, you got to learn how to do sheetrock. Third thing you need to do, you maybe need to get on YouTube and learn how to fix stuff. If it is to be, it is up to me. And I came to this realization about a month ago. When, when, when we were talking about taking the Park Avenue deal, I was just like, you know what? It'd be great and all if USC and the SEC decided, oh, yeah, everybody can kind of be whatever. But I can't worry about that anymore. You know, I just got to, you know, and, and Game Cotton Nation can't worry about that anymore. That, that's kind of what's held this program back for years. Everybody's kind of waiting around on somebody to do something. Let's just do it. Let's fix the house up, you know. Um, Craiger said, like he said, we need some some 10K, 50K, half a million dollar donations for them alumni who can afford it. Keith's got one track of this. I don't necessarily think. I mean, I, I think it would be great. You know, I just don't. Uh, you know, I, I, I you know, and, and he's he he helps with some of the stuff too. But I, uh, I think it's an it's a, it's 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 not right now publicly. It's not sound sitting there putting fifty thousand dollar pressure on people, right? You know, the most somebody, even if they're a millionaire, wants to even like just disposable income out of their pockets, 10, you know. Uh, and I think if you get enough 10s, you're good. So, uh, Jackson yeah. says, is Paler pushing his commitment back to August? Bad news. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quantrill says, it's misdirected anger. I'm not angry. It should be geared towards the NCAA promoting the sham of the student athlete and suspending people like AJ Green and Johnny Manziel for Sean Jer- so Jersey's. Hey, doesn't that look ridiculous now, right? Yeah, some of that stuff you, that used to go that? on now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Those, those, oh yeah. my God, you got your jersey shot and got paid. <laughs> what? Yeah. Now we're just going to pay I, you I, before I doing, you know, just to come to school here. It's what it looks I've like. I've gotten over <laughs> my anger with the NCAA. I just laugh at them now. And, and, yeah. and really, they make me sort of sick to my stomach, you know, reading their little. The little letters that they send out and their guidance and knowing who's kind of still calling the shots up there. I mean, you got freaking people from Bucknell deciding what South Carolina should do. And higher education is, a, I could have literally three hours worth of a podcast on and not ever talk sports and talk to you about what the hell's wrong with higher education these days. Right. Yeah. And, sure. and, and it starts with they don't prepare anybody for life anymore at all, unless you want to be an activist. Uh, you know, on one side or the other, but mostly one side, right? So it's like that show at Disney. This is a song, a celebration to great countries, all the great countries, but mostly America. Remember the Muppets? Sam Eagle said <laughs> mostly, mostly America, America yeah. but mostly one side. But mostly America. I mean, yeah, they, they don't prepare anybody. You know, uh, one of the best political things I've read, and the Democrats actually did this lately, is people starting to invest in trade schools again. Great. You know how much electricians and plumbers make? Yeah, it's a I good mean, living. Yeah, I've been and you can't find them. You know, talking that mechanics. for years. I know. 
So, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. But it, it is out of control. Clint says, for me, giving to NIL is a gamble. I know when I pay the electric company, I'm getting power for the month. There's no guarantee for return on investment with NIL. Well, that's true if you're a uh, – but, yeah, but, you know, if you give to the Gamecock Club, is there a guarantee you're going to win? I mean, that's misguided to me. Um, it's like Taylor Edwards said, Clint. You're, you're, you, may, you may not feel it on the front end, but you're sure as hell going to feel it on the back end if you don't. Um, and so that kind of philosophy, which you're entitled to uh, – expecting a return on your, but well, yeah, if everybody feels that way, what do you want, what do you want to have happen? You don't put these, you know, put the portal guys when you, when the, the, you talk to them about potential NIL deals, cause that's what it is. It's potential. Uh, you want to say, we got to put you on layaway. <laughs> you go to Kmart and pay it every month. Yeah, set up. Yeah. Everybody, Ooh, mom, like my mom used there. to. Yeah, <laughs> put, that, put that pair of khakis, pay that four dollars a week because you, you want to make sure those khakis are fit and all that. So, I don't know. Um, I think that's crazy on the height weight thing. Cobb is up to 250. People play linebacker at 250 again. Yeah, Alabama and Georgia have several. Well, that was a relic from the 90s, James Harrison size. Yeah, I get it. Look, a lot of these guys that have higher weights, and this is another overreaction that we we're supposed to get to, and we're going to get to it. They're going to lose about 10 pounds in the Columbia heat in the summer. Now, I saw some people worried about the defensive backs losing weight. They worked a lot on speed this offseason, agility, so maybe that's a function of that. I'm not smart enough to know. I wouldn't worry about any of those guys being light. You have two of the biggest safeties in the country. You have a 210-pound Jalon Kilgore backing them up, 205-pound or. I haven't checked on Peyton Williams' weight, but he's big, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah big linebacker, so I think I'm fine. Um, Tristan says this way, a better depth of linebacker DT than in. Should we switch to more of a 3-4 front this year? See, I, I don't know that that's true. I do think they'll play some three-man front. But if you play Elijah Davis and Taka Hemingway at in some, I think that solves it, Tristan. Um. I've seen some, de- you know, and that's the thing. I'm, I, I, I think Jacious Gear and Jordan Strong will be the two starting ends. But if they elect to start Hemingway to get Sanders in there on the ends, get some more beef on the inside, and they start Hemingway on the outside, and Hemingway's down a little bit. He's about two eighty, and then you got Boogie. You know, maybe you do see a little more three man front with with TJ and Nick Barrett, and maybe Xavier McLeod a little bit, even though he is two eighty five. Uh, yeah, but you don't, don't have that big nose. I mean, because you haven't been recruiting for that, though. You don't have like yeah, that giant Nick, hole filling nose tackle that you would Nick see in a Barrett's traditional three four. Nick Barrett's three thirty, but he's six one. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be concerned about Xavier McLeod. That means he's getting in shape. He's a high school kid, defensive tackle. Those guys balloon to three twenty. That ain't good weight, man. So <laughs> two eighty four is a good starting point with him. Uh, Joiner's up to 229. I think mean, that's good if he wants to play running back. You know, uh, Crager says you should have had to tackle a person to the ground or run for a yard before you cash check any check from NIL. But there's no law saying that, so it is what it is. I agree. I think you should make, I think they should give all the freshmen a cut of the TV money, according, and that should go according to your 
and and that that deal you sign as a true freshman should be an exclusive NIL deal for one year. And and look, you can't live at NIL money, but you can as an independent NIL vendor, you can sign people to exclusive contracts. It happens all the time. And so you're like, all right, we're paying you to use your name, image, and likeness on the TV screens, and we're paying you this money, right? But it is exclusive for one year. So you're going to be a sophomore. And that would kind of solve some things. You know, it's not going to solve ACC versus SEC because there's more TV money than SEC. But it would make things kind of even around. You know, you wouldn't lose recruiting battles over who the initial better um, was. Yeah, not for high school recruits. It so, kind of levels the playing field on the back end. And then, you know, your name, image, and likeness is is more true to what people were calling for prior to the days of it actually existing legally is, okay, well, you're a stud on this team, you know. So, hey, why don't you come down here and promote my, you know, used car dealership and I'll pay you yeah. all kinds of money to do that. I mean, that's what it was all about. It was like, you know, I mean, and I love that kids being able it. to have their own YouTube cooking show. You know, that's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's Sign silly. autographs, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. You know, and I told you guys on the show a couple of weeks ago, it, it's actually the recruiting part gets frustrating because you hear about about it and recruiting such a zero-sum game as far as you're either getting the guy or you're not. You're winning or you're losing, and to lose over money is like just you want to pull your hair out because that's not what that's not what we've learned all these years. But I have told you also very truthfully that, that in my dealings with NIL at Carolina, so much of it's just like life, man. And helping these guys in life. Yeah. Because life does happen. And people can say all they want. Oh, that these athletes make good because they have all this scholarship money. And they do. And they do. But many times their families don't. <laughs> their families don't get that. Uh, or, you know, hey, their, their mom, you know, she's scrimming and saving so she can go to the games every Saturday. She doesn't have $7,000 for a pair of the car. Or, or whatever. And then baseball – you give it to NIL for baseball, it's just like giving the Gamecock Club because it essentially covers academic money or academic expense. So you're basically putting those guys through college. Bottom line. Um, so so that's the deal there. Uh, Tiffany says fans need to be educated. Uh, educated is kind of a – educated or, or – it kind of implies they're uneducated. This fan base is not uneducated. This fan base is sharp as a tack, actually, because otherwise, you know, they're not a bunch of sheeple just blindly following. And I love that. We're South Carolinians. That's how we are. We don't like being told what to do at all. None of us admit it. <laughs> None of us. Yeah, we started a war almost <laughs> twice. Remember, remember Jim Hodges? Usually what gets us involved in that, right? <laughs> Was it Hodges or Haley? I don't remember who. Or, or one of the governors one time put the National Guard at the border over some nuclear waste thing. Oh, I and think that was yeah stuff coming from Arizona that they were going to bury you, in the mountain. Yeah, University of South Carolina, the ACC started jerking them around there. Oh hell no, we're out. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeehaw. <laughs> I mean, we're South Carolinians, man. Don't tell us what to do, right? Um, but that's uh. You know, that's the thing there. Uh, 
Saunders says, this is in the same vein as something you already do, just allowing specific donations to go to specific players. That way people feel like their money went to someone instead of a big pool. Yeah. I'm all for that. Not, I, I want to limit it a little bit because I, I there, there is a need for pool because needs arise in different times for different players. Okay. And year to year goes one. You don't want, you know, Spencer Rattler. <laughs> he's doing fine, man. Uh, yeah, but, but the portal but like directly this, speaks to that, though. It was like that's why you can't yeah. really gear it that way because you limit yourself for you know portal. Access, yeah, you gotta have which, portal, but you know, more and more and more these days require nil deals. And see, I, the other thing too, if I could, if it was legal, every time you, you had a portal season in any sport, you, I just line them all up, and I almost got in trouble kind of doing that. It's like you could, if the guy comes, it can go to this portal player in baseball. I was told that kind of straddled a little bit of a line. Um, but I would line them all up on the on the internet and be like, hey, you know, click on this guy's face to get $5. <laughs> but, and then that's kind of, that's kind of what I, that, 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 that would be ideal to do. Like put, you know, have like 10 guys, 10 guys. All right, so, all right, check this out. Ten players during the week, no more than five dollars, you know, and then all that money goes to the player, uh, the 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 wins, and, and you match it, or some somebody matches it, I'll match it. Um, or are you? Now this is almost gambling. It's almost like fantasy football. I was going to say, put money on whoever has the best game. Yeah. <laughs> And then you split the pot at the end. But I think yeah. that's FanDuel, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's creative great. thought, though. I mean, you know, we need to apply some of that in this in this landscape, you know, because the creativity is going to ultimately win out. Yeah. Especially when there uh, are no guardrails. <laughs> my man Kevin asked if coaches could put money in the collectives. No, they can't. That's a, nobody from the school that works for the school. Or that, that works in the uh, works in the athletic department can do that is, is my yeah. thing. JC, well, let's hit a quick break, JC. Uh, we got yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we got Brad in here. So we will see y'all with Brad Crawford here in about two and a half minutes. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatt. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. 
Magnum, Velotric, Aventum Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. back everybody inside the Gamecocks the show live from the Sinorama studios as well as Nashville Tennessee now with Brad Crawford at 24-7 Brad how are things up in uh, up in the music city there staying busy man trying to find a stable connection here amongst the hundreds of media throng here in Nashville SC Media Days Shane Beamer goes Thursday already heard from Kirby Smart just talked to Brock Bowers best tight end in the country Busy, busy week so far, fellas. So I haven't been able to hear much about your uh, Brock Bowers interview, though, but uh, is he legitimately thinking that uh, a tight end can make a Heisman run? Is that what I'm catching off of that? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he is. He just uh, he understands that it's a quarterback-driven award, knows that if he can have a you know 1,100-yard receiving-type season, couple rushing touchdowns, Georgia's 12-0 like everybody expects, Maybe he can be in that mix, but man, it's it's going to be hard to unseat a, you know, Caleb Williams as the reigning winner of that award. Well, if he has that kind of season, you're more than likely talking about Carson Beck being able to take that trip up yeah. to New York. Yeah, <laughs> nah, Caleb Williams will choke it away. Yeah, uh, or I'm sorry, choke uh, it away. Choke it away. Yeah. That's right, yeah. choke it away. Uh, Brad, so I, I saw on Instagram or Facebook, Twitter. One of the social media things. Took a picture of a Gamecock helmet last night, so there's a lot of talk about this team. What are you hearing on the ground up there in Nashville about the Gamecocks? Yeah, JC, I uh, spoke to several non-Carolina reporters last night at dinner, and a lot of those guys were saying they're thinking about putting South Carolina number two on their ballot later this week behind Georgia, obviously, in the division. I think right now it's a really close debate between South Carolina, Kentucky, Mizzou, Maybe those three just after Tennessee based on, you know, what Tennessee did last season, who they're bringing back, the hype behind Joe Milton, at quarterback. But I haven't revealed my ballot yet, but I'm, I'm probably going to put South Carolina number three in the East, you know, seven and five type season right behind Georgia and Tennessee. I think that's fair. You know, you look at the schedules of all three and yeah. who they got coming back and the fact that the Gamecock game's in Knoxville. I mean, I, I, as far as picking it goes, I'd probably pick it that way. I doubt it ends up that way because it never does. 
but right. uh, you know, it's a, it may end up that way. It may not. Um, you know, we, we had Jeff Tarpley from Gigum 24 seven on earlier today, the, the Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino thing. Uh, and, and Tarp had a surprising answer to me. He said Jimbo probably really is like personally not wanting to talk about giving a play call and after an entire career of calling plays. Um, I don't know. I kind of think maybe there's some strategery behind it because if you sit there and you think Jimbo's still calling it and their offenses are similar, right? you're going to use some time, some prep time up, maybe just at least reviewing his tendencies. Whereas if it's all Bobby Petrino, you're just going to go hundred percent Petrino. Right? So maybe there is some strategic. Uh, I mean, if, you know, there. if, if he did hire one of college football's best chefs on offense, so to speak, you know, you, you've already given him the ingredients with Connor Wegman, former five-star quarterback, going to be a sophomore, Evan Stewart, former five-star receiver, really good player, Moose Muhammad's son, another great player. So the ingredients are there to be really good on offense for AM, four starters back up front. But Jimbo, like you said, JC, he has to sort of step to the side and let Bobby Petrino – do what he does best and yesterday here in Nashville he was reluctant to just say yes I'm giving the playbook to Bobby I'm hands off we know Jimbo's not going to be hands off this would be like Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian saying I'm going to hire an OC and I'm not going to follow even even Steve Spurrier I'm going to hire an OC and not going to follow that side of the football but um, obviously Jimbo's fingerprints are going to be all over these game plans offensively but I do think Bobby Petrino was brought in for a reason and Jimbo knows he has to win big, and Bobby's going to help him do that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they'll tattoo Miami in week two. I, uh, of those two disasters last year, I thought A&M was the, le- the least of the two because they, they remained competitive. If you look at some of Miami's results last year, they, they flat out gave up, which is surprising for a Mario Cristobal team. Yeah, Middle I mean, Tennessee hung half a hundred on Miami. Yeah, you get blown yeah. blown out by Duke at home, blown out by Pitt in the finale. Yeah, usually I don't care if Miami's two and ten; they they get up for Florida State and play them off their feet. Florida State beat the tar out of them. That that to me that with that talent that's given up. That's just not caring. And, uh, I think I think that's a that's a different scenario down there. Uh, Brad, uh, you know, you, you talked about Georgia Kirby Smart today, so we we were kind of joking around, or actually had a roundtable discussion. Would he filibuster today and kind of read his uh, his uh, depth chart and stuff to avoid taking the uh, those uh, AJC questions, drag racing questions, whatever? Um, has he gone yet? And and what's happened, or what do you anticipate will happen? Yeah, Kirby answered about eight questions in the main room. He's kind of going through his uh, local media scrum right now. But JC, seven of the eight questions pertain to the season or the favorable schedule. And really only one pertained to the, uh, you know, two deaths they had in January from the speeding and then some of the arrests they had these offseason. So he's he pretty much got lofted, you know, a ton of softball questions. And the, the AJC actually was not mentioned in the main room today. So maybe that's by design. Maybe he's getting some Nick Saban treatment. Media members a little bit afraid to, you know, poke the two-time national defending champion. But I think it has been a newsworthy offseason in Athens and, and not in a good way. You know, Curry may not admit it, but this has certainly been a distraction, really, since he won that second title in January and something that he needs to fix before the season begins. 
Yeah, the drag racing thing. I, I was. I'm all in favor of them fixing it. Said, I mean, you've been to Athens, Georgia, Brad. That's you know, hey, maybe Manhattan, Kansas, or Lincoln, Nebraska. You go out on the long stretch of highway, you can get by with it. But Athens is a very hilly, tight, turny kind of place. I mean, you'd be JC, me, me and you grew up on on backcountry roads, you yeah. know, and the Carolinas and stuff. It, there, there's no room for 180 mile hour Hellcats there. No, no, not at all. All right, so final question. We'll let you go here. Our favorite DJ, Mark Ryan. Um, you know, oh, I knew this, yeah. Uh, and, and and Diesel, who I know, I know. I used to work with Diesel. I've had beers. I've, I've had several beers with Diesel. He's a good guy. I I don't know that. I, I think if he got in a sports debate with me, I'd just probably like nod my head and say, "All right, buddy, you know, whatever." Uh, but so, so tell us what happened. Tell, tell us what happened with that. Um, you know, and, and I'll, no I'll set the stage. Basically, they said Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Like for for Ace Ventura, like Beamer is Muschamp. Muschamp is Beamer. Yeah. Which you know, me even as a guy that did not that saw the good in Will Muschamp, I know that's not true at all. Just based on who Beamer's beaten and the you know the situation and all that. So. Kind of set the stage after you read that tweet, and then kind of what happened. Yeah, last last I think it was Wednesday, JC, and and I'm I'm rarely triggered by Twitter posts, but when it comes from a fellow media member, I feel like that gives me a a lane to you know speak my opinion, especially when it's on radio. So Mark Mark tweeted that Will Muschamp essentially and Shane Beamer are the same coach at Carolina after two seasons. Both of them have the same record, but guys, we. We know 15 and 10 for Muschamp was not the same 15 and 10 for Shane Beamer or whatever, 15 and 12, whatever it is. Shane, Shane Beamer beat Clemson. Muschamp did not beat Clemson. One at Kentucky, didn't do that either. Top 25 finish in year two. So I wanted to explain to Mark just how bad his take was. And having a show in the Palmetto State, upstate, um, I think it was kind of meant to trigger. So it – it certainly triggered me. Um, I, I went on Mark's show to defend myself, to defend Shane Beamer's honor, I said on Twitter. But the funniest thing was, after I got off the show, I got a ton of text saying, dude, Diesel and Mark are still talking about you, saying saying how hurt they were by your tweet. So I don't know, man. It's, you it's hurt talking. their feelings. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't personal, but to say Will Muschamp was better than Shane Beamer two seasons in, I don't know how that tape can can happen. Yeah, Big Watch says Mark Ryan was referring to the record at fan base. He was actually right. On what planet are you living, Big Watch? <laughs> and early on, he said the fans are going to turn on Beamer after seven and five. So I, I, this Big Watch guy's washed out, right? No, but he does stuff like that. You know, just like the Garrett Riley situation. Yeah, which you know, it's plausible to sit there and. You know, put two together and think, well, Shane probably taught it, but come to find out, Shane didn't talk to Garrett at all. Period. In fact, I'm convinced Shane, right, wrong, or indifferent, only targeted Daryl Dowell Loggins at this point. Right, wrong, or indifferent. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, they said that. They said one day that because they hired Shane Beamer on the cheap, that they should take forever to be out of the alma mater. You know, it's just constantly nagging bullcrap like that. And I used to go on Mark Ryan's show 
he's down in Florida, when he is in Houston, all the time. Very nice guy. Yeah, he's a gator. Yeah. Um, and I used to work at that station in that in similar time slot. Okay. I know Diesel. I know all those guys. I've been in that building. And I'm just, I, the, the, the only word I can use to describe it is disappointing. It's just disappointing to me, you know, because you're not serving your audience when you do stuff like that. That's exactly how, how he described me when I got on the show. He said he was disappointed. He said that I he wishes I would have listened to the segment. The segment was wouldn't have changed my opinion at all. So, yeah, yeah. not, not uh, held up against the take. And, I mean, he's not necessarily known as having the most – thick skin in the industry either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the record is the same, but not all 5, 15, 11s are created equally. I mean, it, sure. Muschamp had some nice wins. I mean, Michigan, NC State, his second year were nice wins. I love Muschamp's first year. He probably overachieved a little more than Beamer did considering the personnel and the freshmen that he had to play, um, you know, and turning it around like he did. But they both kind of turned it around. Uh, but he didn't have the wins like the, the underdog wins, you know. How many wins does Beamer have as a double-digit underdog? About five so far in two years? Like four or five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, he didn't have that. And certainly, even though – and a, and a f- former staff member did tell me this, that the Clemson they had to face under Muschamp was night and day better than the one – you know, still, Clemson's Clemson, and I don't care if they're terrible. You better beat them at South Carolina, and if you don't, you're in trouble. And then the win over Tennessee was just a – you know, and those things elevated the program a lot more in two years, in my opinion. Than, than yeah, let me, let me give you one stat here, JC, that, that nobody's nobody has said this week. I was going to say it for Shane Thursday, but I'll I'll say it here. Shane's the only coach the last two seasons who's beaten three national champions of the current five active in college football. Jimbo Fisher, Mac Brown in the bowl game, and he beat Davo on his home field. So Shane's done a heck of a job through two seasons. Yeah, and he hadn't coached against Saban. That's next year. And then Kirby's beating him pretty good. But uh, Yeah, that's like, yeah, we need to pick yeah, up. I mean, yeah, I, I, actually, I actually tweeted about that after, they, after he beat Davo. You know, three of the five. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think. I didn't know if he was the only coach or not. I didn't. I didn't go that far in my research. But yeah, I, I talked about that. But anyway, look. Thank you, Brad. Have fun up in Nashville, man. Uh, enjoy lot, following man. your coverage and stuff. Yeah. And um, looks like you're having a good time. And and keep killing it with the great coverage, man. Thanks, buddy. See y'all soon. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. One Bradford Crawford from 24-7 Sports. We've got to get to a break. What, yeah, uh, we got one more to cram in real quick. Yeah, we're going to have a break. What so did Wash – I don't know what's going all right, on. I still want to know, Wash, what part of Mark Ryan was right about what. Anyway, we'll be back. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside 
all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. college football being played i think that's about it 40 days till week zero isn't that what we're looking at mm. can't wait can't wait big watch has a good question first i want to address the one more nil thing clint about clint's return on his investment so clint people like you probably should not give to a collective uh or at least any kind of significant i don't know if you i, I haven't I don't, I don't know if you give to a collective or not uh, and, and when I say people like you, people that are very passionate and cover recruit and are very opinionated about recruiting, you're ultimately going to be disappointed because you're ultimately going to cling to your own opinions about players. Uh, you're not going to pay very much attention to the development process. You're going to kind of be a slave to the star system. You're going to be severely disappointed whenever inevitably somebody doesn't pick your school. And then you're going to feel like you're not getting a return. And so, yeah, if I was passionate like that, and there's several of you out there, and, and I don't think any of them give that, and, and that's good. Because just for your own sake, buddy, it's going to drive you insane. <laughs> and if you attach your pocketbook to it, it'll drive you even further insane. So uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I think that you should probably sit sit on the sidelines because it's not – uh, I just kind of know how that that mindset works because I lived it, and it would drive me up a tree if if I because you know we we all uh, have our opinions and and all that good stuff. So, um, and I respect your opinion. I mean, you do your homework. I don't always agree with your 
evaluations. But uh, I don't agree. I mean, a lot of no nobody agrees with evaluations. You can put ten guys in a room that have done it forever; they're going to disagree. But I, I, I kind of, I wanted to kind of back up there and and, and say that, that that does make sense. You know that uh, uh, with that because that kind of I mean, like I said, dude, it's not worth stressing out. You know, and adding that extra stress because I know the folks that are very passionate about recruiting, like you, stress out about it anyway. So there you go. So there we go. Ah, Big Wash said, Mark said he understood Brad was right about the wins, but will be enough to keep the pressure down since he is and has done better than Muschamp. That's not what I listened to the segment. That's not what really Mark was saying. They kind of backtracked a little bit, Um, but that's okay. Um, You know, I I, uh, do I think they'll be okay with seven to five, six to six. It depends on how it works out. Um, I'll tell you this, if Gamecocks are bad on offense this year, it's going to be a whole lot more of a, you know, grinding deal than uh, if they're not. You know, now if they're bad on defense this year, I think I think you got to kind of, you know, if they can't stop the run again, you got to kind of look at what you're doing, you know. And uh, I, I believe in Clayton White's defensive scheme. I like it. I think it's creative. I, I think – you know, he didn't inherit like a bunch of players at all spots to run it, like like I think he wants to. Um, but but you can see, I mean, there there's there's interesting stuff like big old dudes at will linebacker and smaller dudes at, at Mike. Although Mo is two hundred fifty three pounds now, so there is a big Mike now. Uh, you know, the, the buck slash end. I mean, all the odd fronts, all the blitzes and stuff. I mean, he he, you know. And part of his struggles, I think, have been that they couldn't couldn't score some games. You know, why, how are you going to blitz and gamble if uh, if you can't score? So anyway, yeah, that's all, all right. right. I think the Game team will be improved market. overall this year. I mean, you Clint know. says, "Didn't mean to sound like a jerk." I'm just saying, I, I respect. You. I get it. Sometimes I'll say things, and and I, none of this was directed at you personally. I was just having a conversation, but. I thought about you personally, and, and I was like empathized. Quantrell, too, to a certain extent. You know, Quantrell, passionate recruiting guy. I was just kind of empathizing and putting myself in those shoes, and I'm like, oh, crap, that would suck. And especially if I have a pocketbook tattoo or my, my wallet. But that's okay. Like I said, we're looking for 16% of the Gamecock Club. So, so that's not, you know, 84%. <laughs> Do whatever. Listen to the show. That's listen to the show. Join the big spur. That's all. Hey, that's why eighteen oh one is perfect. Because it's you know what I piss away eighteen to twenty bucks a month. You know, so might as well give it to yeah. something, even though I don't have necessarily any direct control over. I'm not looking for ROI at twenty bucks a month. <laughs> JB will be back tomorrow. He sent a picture from the golf course. Don't know what it was all about, but I'm gonna go check it out. Mm-hmm. For Phil Mullinax, this is JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Don't forget. Late night Gamecock show with Matt Anderson dropped last night. He had a lot to say about recruiting and stuff. That's That's been a show. It's been a lot of good numbers uh, right here on our platform on Inside the Gamecock. So when you listen to us, you can listen to some of Matt as well. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Brad Crawford, Jeff Tarpley, for joining in today. Also, I want to say that uh, if you want a mattress and you are in the low country, Go to where the low country goes to sleep, May River Mattress Company. 
Uh, it's MayRiverMattress.com. They're a proud supporter of Carolina Rise. Gamecock owned and operated. So if you're down there where my grandfather used to call the end of the world, Bluffton Hilton Head, Buford, consider getting your mattress at the May River Mattress Company. They've got a low price guarantee and a quality guarantee. So don't don't go for a chain. Don't go to Mattress Plus or whatever. May River Mattress Company. They'll take care of you. All right. We're out. We'll talk to you tomorrow.